Welcome to the House Club Live podcast, featuring the full artist interviews from our video broadcast on YouTube. My name is Warner Case, and I host the show alongside Vin D'Amato and Nick Timko. Join us during the broadcast every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash warnercase. In chat, you can ask questions to us and our guests, talk with other house music fans, or just hang out. Until next Sunday, enjoy this interview, and feel free to share it with friends. Uh, well, without further ado, we're going to bring in our guest this week. Like I said, very excited to have uh, have him. He's remixed one of my tracks in the past. He's played over 350 shows worldwide. He's been a star of the, the Hulsh Musique clan for a while, and we are very excited to have him. Please welcome to the show, Zimmer. Woo! All right. All right. Okay. So technically, technically, Vin, did we successfully bring him on the show? Did we do I, it? I think we did. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We're, we did. We are good to go. Beautiful. Uh, Zimmer, how are you, man? Where Where are you? Uh, where are you reporting from right now? I'm in Paris, stuck in Very Paris. Cool. Technically, not allowed to leave our homes more than ten kilometers. So, I'm in Paris. Wow. <laughs> and then, and then we're wow. talking about nightclubs and everything like that here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to movies. <laughs> we're in nightclubs. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know. We'll so, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, how, how does, what's the, the general mood like there? Because, you know, for a while, the U.S. was uh, number one, number one in cases and deaths. And now somehow we're, we're doing really well at the vaccinations. Is there, is there kind of like just an existential, holy shit, this is taking way too long in Paris? Or what's the vibe like there? Yeah, I mean, everyone's like, it was kind of really shitty and scary like three weeks ago it's still pretty bad numbers are bad it's like the, the third wave or whatever they want to call it so yeah it's kind of back to full lockdown there's like nothing nothing's going on but yeah. yeah vaccinations are slowly building so hopefully in like a month and a half we'll be able to do things and maybe hopefully this summer there'll be a little bit more fun to be had yeah we hope we hope so too <laughs> we hope so too well you 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 mentioned that one of your favorite shows that you've ever played was uh, at Elsewhere in New York, where both Vin and great I are, are from, although we're not there right now. Elsewhere is a great venue. What is it about... I mean, do you think that there's something... How do I put this? Those live shows, what is it that makes them so special to you? Is there one thing or is it a kind of a culmination of, of everything together? Like, are you talking about Elsewhere specifically? Or just just like playing to in general, I guess. Yeah, in general. I mean, I do love elsewhere, yeah, but in general, also, what, what is it that makes a great show? I'd for also you? like to hear what you found special about New York, opposed to other places you've played. But you know, so yeah. For first question, I mean, it's like pretty obvious now that like the only shows I've been playing were like in front of a camera. Like the whole reason I make music is to play it to people and share something. Right. Like I get so like I'm not a studio nerd. It's like boring to me to go to the studio and make <laughs> I make music to share good times with people because like it's fun to be at a festival. It's fun to get drunk with your friends under the sun. It's fun to like make things happen in your life that are out of the ordinary. That's why I make music. So and it's, and it's like obviously it's it's like a sensation. It's like a cool baseline or a beautiful like melody going through your ears and your body. It like makes you feel something. But yeah, yeah. like people are everything like like i miss touring like so bad and like i'd rather not be able to make music in the studio and tour than the opposite i know some musicians like i know people around me who like it because they don't like playing shows so much and they get stressed and anxious and whatever like 
it's the opposite for me. Like I, I make music to connect with people. So sure. those stores are, are everything. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and it's like, and, and for instance, the thing I love about elsewhere is like the shape of the rooftop. You're like kind of in the middle of the crowd. It's like kind of allowed to have your friends or like just random strangers like behind you. Like, I don't care about being like on the big, on the big stage, like on top of, and like all by myself. That's like, I've had that a few times and it's like so boring. Like, just <laughs> of the sea of people. It's not what I, I want. Like, I want to be like, like inside the party, like sharing it with everyone. So yeah. I, that's one of the reasons I also heard there, There's been a couple of times uh, that I've gotten in trouble um, for bringing people on stage, uh, when we probably shouldn't have a couple of times, like security gave us the side eye and just started like throwing people off the stage. But yeah, I, I also prefer people to be as close as possible. So I'm with, yeah. I'm, I'm, with mean, you. I'm with you. As, as long as they behave and know like not to like put their drinks on the CDJ. Well, it's always a hazard. Wish. It's always a hazard. So <laughs> yeah. We but, could do an entire show about those like boiler room, uh, boiler room fail videos, which are, <laughs> which are spectacular. Because it, dude, every time they show some DJ trying to like you know do a good job, obviously, and there's just some drunk asshole like slowly yeah, wavering gonna, their way closer to spilling yeah, a drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that one, that one is the best though, where the guy jumped up to try to like give somebody a yes, high five. Yes, I don't know if you guys yes, saw this, yes. and then he pulls the, the whole entire thing just comes down, and, and then they're just looking like. <laughs> Oh. oh my God! Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm uh, Zimmer. I totally agree. It's it's. I mean, I haven't been able to play like big, big festival stages yet in my career, and it's always like an exciting thing as a musician to like aspire to it because, in a way, it probably you know you feel like you're a big deal. Like, oh look at me, I'm on this big stage. But if you're not near the people, I gotta imagine the the energy is just like what what does it feel like when you're up there on a big stage compared to being right up in there in the people. I mean, it really all depends if you have like a few homies like right behind you. I, I played like the biggest show of my life last, not last year, but 2019 in Mexico. I played in front of 7,000 people wow. in like a match. Holy shit. It was, it was honestly, it, it was scary. It was like a sea <laughs> of people. Like you, you could not see the end of it, but I had like wow. two of my best friends and my girlfriend like right behind me. So I could just like look at them and like be, versus a shit ton of people look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend who came like uh, by my side and he was like, oh shit, I don't want to look at this. <laughs> That's I, wild, man. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, anytime I talk to people, um, you know, anybody, anytime I talk to people about the shows that I prefer, it's always like the best times I've ever had usually are just in a, like, it doesn't have to be a small room, but if it's like a hundred, 200 people, and it's a sweaty little club. Like those are always the most fun gigs I've ever had. Cause then you feel like you're connected to every single person there. Okay. I don't know. Um, Definitely. so now your album, which is also called Zimmer, uh, you described it as, as what was it? Uh, hold on techno. I really loved it. Cosmic techno disco. Can you explain that to us? Um, I mean, it's always tricky to, characterize your music and i i come from like a slow disco background like like chiller vibes so however you, you want to call it but i've been playing like late night shows for like five years so at one time at one point like you want to play techno so at one point you want to make techno so i don't know it's like so it kind of these are like the two opposites and i try to bridge them 
and so techno disco why not and, and cosmic because i always try to like put some dreaminess in my music and i think that's this all escapism thing is kind of important in my music but, but when you but but when but, you like describe it as that though that cosmic techno disco and then you listen to the album it really feels like that <laughs> you know it, 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 it's it's a pretty good yeah. way to personify the music so yeah no i agree and I, I i you touched on something i think is really interesting how much do you think your playing shows affects the music you make because I, I don't want to go away from your album yet but but i really enjoyed that you, you mentioned how when you play late night sets all of a sudden you're like oh i want to make some techno now because if it's if that's the vibe then you get inspired by playing somebody else's great techno track at a late night show and all of a sudden you're like oh shit i gotta do this again does that do you do you see one influencing the other more often or is it kind of a, a circuit like a like a cycle rather no i think that it has a massive influence it's like this this is why my sound changed and it's it like every every move i make i made musically like i'm going to tell you a quick story like i was uh, here for. back in 2015 i had i had uh, two two tracks that were quite successful out one called escape like my first ep on roche kind of like popier a popier version of what i do today but it was like borderline it's like after like in a, it had quite good commercial success and after that it was kind of like I could like almost push for like radio disclosure-ish tracks. And I had another track called Saturday Love that was signed in Colombia. So same thing. I was like getting like I was seeing two directions, like trying to go like radio hits or like stay in the underground. And I played a festival in Belgium with uh Feder and Kungs, like two massive like pop house guys. Like yeah, yeah. And, and Kungs was like on the on his way up. And same thing, 7,000 people hall, and I cleared it. I tried (laughs) tried like the most commercial tracks I had on my USB stick, and I like I cleared the crowd, like (laughs) like, ten people in front of me in a 7,000 people warehouse. And I was like, I was just laughing. I was like, okay, this is just not my scene. And like Feder comes up, he's like, what the fuck? There's nobody, and he starts playing like the big hits and like yeah. everyone like and i'm like yeah there's this is not the way i got into music i like i don't want to play commercial music it's just not for me so yeah I, 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 so i think in every direction in every decision i make like definitely the what like the connection i see because when you think about it when you play live you see people react real time to your music and it's like the the, the best feedback on your music compared to just like putting it online and seeing like stream numbers. I don't think you can, you yeah. can't call yourself a DJ unless you cleared a few rooms. So yeah. <laughs> oh, Vin and I talk about this off air all the yeah. time. And for anybody who's watching, who's a DJ, if you've played a lot of shows where you just totally bombed, that's good. You learn from that. You need to do it. You like, you've got to play a bunch of shows where you just do terribly. Cause then you think, Oh shit. What was that? How do I improve on that? The shows where everybody is there having like a great time and the vibe is right. Like those are the easy ones. Like, you know, you got, you got, you got to sing (laughs) for your supper and the hard ones are the ones where the room is not easy and there might not be a lot of people there or you clear the room and your initial like reaction into the vibe that you were going to play was wrong. Like those are the ones you learn. Those are the teachable moments. And, uh, yeah, you know, you you don't really learn unless you screw up. So it's, uh, definitely, definitely got to clear rooms. Yeah, especially if you get your start by DJing in particular. You know, like I, 
most people I know who are DJs and producers, or rather they produce dance music, so a lot of times that means that their performance is as a DJ. Most of the people I know started, you know, just DJing anywhere they could. So that usually meant you're playing at some shitty bars. You don't even have any music out yet. And so sometimes you're going to play like all pop stuff and you just feel like you kind of have to. And if you try too hard to like play only house or only techno, you know, the bar, they're they're not going to bring you back. You're not going to be gigs. So when you're really starting out, it's, it's a struggle because, you know, you're not like an artist yet. No one cares about you as a musician. Like I've seen some friends were like strictly producers. It's usually the ones I was mentioning before we're we're like at people are not touring right now, but it's, it's so much harder for them to adjust. Like if you've not played like, like I've played like birthdays, bar mitzvahs, like yeah. company parties, yeah. student bar, student parties, like every, every, literally everywhere. And that's how you learn. It's yep. like, yeah. So did you, did you start, did you do a lot of those before your music took off? What was your career arc like or what's it been like? Is that, I mean, like I started DJing when I was 16 and yeah. I started making music when I was 21. So I had a good five years of like going through the motions of like, all, all, all the type of parties I just mentioned, like kind of following where I was in my life of uh, a student. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I started making music literally when I realized I was not going to play like the cool Paris clubs unless I was making music. And yeah. then after, after making music, I realized I actually also really enjoyed it. But like, to be very honest, like the drive to make music at first was just to play shows. What was your first setup? That's so interesting. Do you remember your first setup? What did you use? To make music? No, to DJ. Oh, I yeah. I had this, the Hercules DJ console 2. Okay. Which was yeah. like controller ever, like running with virtual DJ. Okay. And yeah, I've I've actually been a pretty big geek about DJ stuff. I, actually, my first job ever was being a, a designer for Tractor. Oh, no way. So I've kind of like tried like everything on the market and actually it was fun because it was like true innovation it was like the first actual dj controller you could like get for cheap at your house man i got a vci 100 yeah press four then went into cdjs with um tractor scratch control with an x1 so i i'm i'm curious uh you know, Vin and I have talked about this a million times. I'm curious about what advice you would have for other people who are, you know, maybe they're not getting the gigs that they want yet. Maybe they're not growing to the, the point they'd be. You just said that, you know, you want to be playing bigger shows. And so that's funny enough why you started making music, which I think is the opposite of what a lot of people do. Is there something that you'd recommend that people, you know, uh, even just practical advice, like, is it helpful to have, a few live sets to send around to, to bars and venues, kind of like as an example of what you can do. Is there something that you learned when you were cutting your teeth that helped you succeed? I tried that, but did not work. Um, no, I truly started working out when I made, made tracks. And it's, I think it's all about, like the one advice I would give is to try to see in which scene you're, you, you would fit. Like, who are the artists you look up to? Who are the artists you want to hear play? Uh, what's what's the music you've been, like, listening to? And try to integrate into that scene. Try to go out in the clubs and meet the people. That's, like, how I met the Roche Boys. I was like, oh, like, this cartel kid, he's doing, like, really cool stuff. And, like, 
I like we eventually ended. I ended up being in the same club as him and just like talking to him, and that's how you connect. I mean, it's all about <clears throat> connecting first with real people in the real world. That's how you get into a scene, and that's how you're gonna get booked eventually. That Roche music scene was so um, influential to me, and I'm sure Warner too. Um, I think Dar- Darius, right, is 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 involved there. Yeah. Um, I think it was Hot Hands. I think I heard Hot Hands first, right? And I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" And then that's kind of that was my first foray into the Roche guys and and you know your stuff and and I and Cartel too and and just that whole squad. It was like, man, these guys are so cool and French. And I was like, man, you know what I mean? There, there's that like, oh damn, they're French. You know, like I had that that yeah, envy yeah, sort of that girl. you're so cool. So yeah, I I really appreciate yeah. that movement and kind of what you guys are doing and what you are doing and and it has definitely been influential. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciate you guys. What do you think? Um, where Where do you think? Wh- what's the crew like now? You know, because uh, I'm curious how everybody's music has evolved. Have Has everybody's music kind of evolved in a similar way, or have people kind of spread out? Well, and real quick, real quick before you answer that, Zimmer, like that time period you were talking about, Vin and Warner. When was that? Was that around like 2015 ish? Like when When was that time period? Um, a little A little earlier than that, right? Yeah. 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 Like, like the first, my, my first shows at Zimmer are actually, are actually like 10 years old, like almost to this month. So it's like my t- the wow. 10 years of Zimmer. Like wow. the startup Roche was like 2013, I think. Okay. Like Hotins was released in 2013, I think. Um, Congratulations, by the way. 10 years coming up. That's great. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Thanks, guys. It, it doesn't feel like it, but yeah, it's, it's been 10 <laughs> years. Uh, shoot, I forgot what. Like, oh yeah, well, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was curious about what people have been doing, and I mean, I know what they've been doing. I've been listening, but I guess for the listeners, I'm curious how it looks like from you as people have grown in their careers and what has happened then. On this side note, the label just released a really cool documentary that's like an hour and twenty oh, minutes no long. Like, like the whole like like it took like five years to shoot. It's like plenty of archives, like interviews of everyone, and like that's you, cool. you guys should Where check it out. It's that? called Inside the Way. YouTube. And what is it called? Inside the way. Oh man. Okay, we gotta. Well, we should post the link into that in like, chat or yeah. something for sure. Yeah, I yeah. forgot to send you the links. But so, so, so the thing is, Roche really started as, um, as as kind of a movement where everyone was making more or less the same music at the same ingredients of. Like, there was like a Roche sound where we all influenced each other, right. and that's st- like standard for I guess a good three four years, and then it kind of felt like everyone moved into their own direction like musically like really explored what they were all about like crayon went into like the weird hip-hop stuff like uh, fkj went even more like live instruments uh like that bird went techno uh techno funk i went like more techno like but it's it's like everyone still has those roots and there's like a sense of emotion that's still there even though today we're like um kind of making honestly pretty different styles of music sure. but it's you, the connection is still there with and i mean i've like we've all shared so many we, we've played a lot of shows together abroad in like all different configurations but we have we have a lot of memories together and like people still associate us together so it's a bond that's here to stay even though we're less linked 
That's amazing. Do you, do you miss, uh, I, I don't want to say the heyday, but you know, when it was really creating the most wave, do you miss, uh, that time in the, in the rush music path? Not really. Cause I've like my, I've had enough emotions with like my switch to more of being a live act playing the album. It was, it's, it's just a new chapter and it's different. So I don't miss it because I mean la- now I, I miss any it's it's different now <laughs> everyone be everything is, yeah because <laughs> it's been like one years without shows but I I don't miss it it's like I don't want to live in the past like I feel I feel fortunate but we got to live those moments and I know whenever there's like there's still opportunities like for for rose shows we we had rose shows like um, scheduled and there will be more rose shows so. Oh yeah. No, I, it's, uh, well, you guys are all making, you made and continue to make phenomenal music uh, of which I am a huge fan. I know that I can say the same thing for Vin and for, for Nick. So, uh, it's exciting to see that crew who are also talented in so many ways grow in their own ways as well. And it's all still great. It's really, it's a, it's a cool thing. So I'm, uh, I'm really happy for you that you, got to experience that and are continuing to experience that. That's a really special thing. I'm very grateful that like Vin and I, for example, are such good friends and we've gotten to make music together. That's been a fun ride to, to share those things. And, and obviously Nick and I have a lot of uh, experience as well, since he was my agent for, for some time. Zimmer, we Zimmer, did a lot of Zimmer Warner doesn't let me make music. I've tried. <laughs> no, he doesn't it's, let me make it's, music. For the, it's for the greater good. It's a social responsibility. <laughs> I put on my shoulders to make sure that, that you don't make any music. By the um, way, I posted that. I posted that documentary. So if anyone wants to check that out, I posted cool. the link in the chat. Thank you, Nick. Go ahead and click through it, right. guys. Thanks. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought that up, Zimmer, because I had seen that you know through Instagram and when it was getting promoted, and uh, it's one of those things where I was like, oh fuck, I have to go watch that, and I just didn't for no good reason. So I need to go do it. Um, well, Zimmer, enough. thank you so much for. Perfect. I mean, I've got plenty of time today since I'm after this. I'm just gonna like sit back and and nurse my hangover. So I think I'll watch that. Thanks for listening to this interview from House Club Live. Join us during the live stream every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern at youtube.com slash warnercase to add your input to the conversation, ask questions to us and our guests, or just hang out. Thanks for listening, and please consider subscribing to the show or to the podcast, or both. See you next week.